You know, I've been going on about how I enjoy being a fan, uh, a fan of certain fandoms, you know, being part of it. And, you know, Sonic the Hedgehog is one example. But another example, of course, is, well, My Little Pony Friendship is Magic. And yes, I am trying to give G5 a chance, and I do believe potential is there for G5. Don't get me wrong. But, but, getting back to Friendship is Magic, the one thing I like about, you know, the fandom, as I said about with the Sonic franchise, is the creativity that fans, you know, bring to the table. And when I'm talking creativity, MLP FIM has boatloads, you know, tankers loads, you know, cruise ship loads, if you will, 747 loads of examples of creativity, you know, from, you know, from here to there, from hither and farther or whatever you want to call it. They got so much examples of creativity from a fandom perspective. It's, it's uncanny. It's uncanny. It's, it's almost unreal to see how much, you know, fans really, you know, just really embrace their creativity when it comes to this franchise. One fan in particular is George Gazzara. Now, George Gazzara, you know, he and I first interacted, I, I'm assuming, I can only guess it was through one of my, you know, video discussions on Rarity and Spike, Sparity. I'm guessing it was one of those, or it might have been one of my PMVs on them. I'm not really sure. Uh, but we interacted, and we interacted, you know, through something like that. You know, it was through DeviantArt, and it was through YouTube. You know, it was kind of a back-and-forth deal where, where basically, you know, he discovered that I was a Sparity supporter like he was, and I discovered that he was a Sparity supporter uh, due to the fact that, well, you know, he liked the pairing of Spike and Rarity. And obviously, who doesn't? Now, like a lot of fans, he basically had his own way to express it. And one of his own ways was through animation, or at least limited animation that he could use. And honestly, you know, there's a lot of fans out there that have very limited animation that they've used since they began, you know, showing their creativity, sharing it, as well as, you know, they still kind of have that limited animation to this day. But there are prime examples out there you know, of fans that take their time to show not only are they a fan of MLP FIM, but to show, you know, what characters that they are fans of and give them primary focus. We all know that duo cartoonist, not once but twice, I believe, showed how much they're a fan of My Little Pony Friendship is Magic and mostly a fan of Princess Luna with Children of the Night it, you know, with Children of the Night, excuse me there, and the moon arises. I do apologize if I'm stumbling over my words. It is early and I got to get ready for work in just a little while. But anyway, anyway, like I said, obviously they are a fan of Princess Luna since two of the most acclaimed shorts, you know, that they've ever done and has ever been done in the MLP, you know, FIM community, like I said, is Children of the Night and the moon arises, which are really, really good. 
you know, some of the animation in there is on the levels of feature film quality. In fact, it should be on that level since I think one of the programs that they used for both was Tune Harmony. Now, with that said though, there are some fans that may not be at that level or use that level up kind of a program or software uh, to, you know, share their creativity and all that, you know, with the world, but will use something close to what basically makes the animation they'll apply seem identical, if not pretty much the same, to the official animated series. One, one example. One example is Josh Scorcher, a.k.a. Firebrand, for the Josh Scorcher channel in FOB Equestria. Now, he did an animation on Celestia. That's right. He did one on the Follies of Celestia or something like that. And when you watch it, it looks really good. It looks identical, you know, almost beat for beat you know, to what the original animated series animation was. It's that good. And they took their time with it. Josh and his team, the people that worked with him to make it happen, took their time to bring this to life. Why? Because Josh, along with them, you know, wanted to show some love to, well, uh, Princess Celestia, you know, Luna's sister, as well as show some love to you know, Twilight, and explore that relationship, you know, from different perspectives of, you know, each character. You know, and use an alternate universe kind of uh, method to do so. Now, with that said, we get to George Gazzara. But before we get to George Gazzara, there is one more I want to talk about. Fallout Equestria, which is an OG... Uh, MLP-inspired, um, I guess you could say, story that was brought to SFM 3D CGI Life um, a couple of years ago. And one episode, one mini-episode has been released. I don't know if any more has been released, but when you watch this episode, it looks really, really good in CGI, 3D SFM modeling. It looks really good. Now, outside of that, now we can move over to George Gazzara. See, George Gazzara, like a lot of fans, started with limited animation. I mean, we do see other fans like Cosmic Keyframe wanting to dip their toes into, you know, actual, you know, Flash 2D animation. We see that. Heck, when you go and watch some of Silver Quill's recent reviews, you can tell that when he's speaking, his OC is speaking, his hippogriff OC is speaking, the mouth is moving in tune with what he's saying. They never were able to do that, you know, in the past. They li it was limited, yes, when they would have the mouths open, but that was it. Most of the time they would talk, and you wouldn't see the mouth move. But now... Software and technology has advanced so much for even fans to, you know, easily, you know, have access to at an affordable price that these kind of things are possible now. They are possible. There is no getting around that. 
No getting around that whatsoever. They are possible. And again, like I said, Cosmic Keyframe showed one time, I think it was at a BronyCon, one of the last BronyCons, or at a BabsCon, you know, kind of, I guess you could say, animatic animation from TF, from one of the, uh, at the time, upcoming TF analysis uh, shorts that they did, where her and Lightning find out that A-N-Y, that's A-N-Y, a pony, you know, needs to consume his alcohol to keep up his strength. Like, it's his power-up kind of deal. And the animatic that they showed when they recreated that scene for that short that was, I think, already coming or was coming somewhere in between was really good. It was really good when you get down to it. It was really good to see. But now, going back to George Gazzara... George Gazzara basically always had that limited animation as well, but over time, you could tell he was trying to, well, improve. He was trying to take it up. He was trying to level it up every opportunity he had. And, well, going into 2023, I believe he had mentioned online that he was going to work on something big. That he wanted to get something out in time for the month of love, which is, which is this month, February. And although, although he didn't meet his intended date goal, if you will, for its release, he was still able to get it out. And that is an animated short based on Spike and Rarity, Sparity's relationship, called No Excuse, No More, something like, No Excuses of the Heart. Something like that. It's called No Excuses of the Heart. In fact, let me double check. Make sure I get it right. Yeah, No Excuse for the Heart. That, that's what it's called. And what's interesting is it's actually based on a comic of the same name. And when you watch a little bit of the animation, I haven't watched it all yet. But from what I can see, or from what I've seen, I should say... It looks really good and on par with the show itself. As a matter of fact, it's about, if not exactly on par, you know, just by, you know, just, you know, just by, you know, I'll, I'll put it this way. How, how do I put this? How do I put this? It's on par just a bit, just a bit to what Josh Scorcher did with the Follies of Celestia or the Folly of Celestia. It's kind of on par, almost. Not much, but almost with the folly of Celestia. And when I see, you know, somebody like George Gazzara and the people that works with him to bring this, you know, that helps him bring this to life, and the software he goes out and purchases or pays for on an annual basis or however he does it, it shows you how dedicated fans like him are to go and do these kind of projects to fill in gaps that they feel were not given an opportunity to be filled in. Now, this, uh, again, like I said, was based on a comic of the same name. And the comic, I think, took place or was created, I think, just before, just a tiny bit before Spike got his wings in the show because I don't see Spike's wings you know, in 
uh, the animation. Maybe I'm wrong. Let me double check. Uh, oh no, he's got his wings. He's got his wings in there. So it, it's it, it basically the the comic, as far as I know, I think came out before or after before or in between, and I think either the original comic. You know, I don't know. Again, I gotta go look at the original comic, but I don't know if he had his wings there. And for the animation adaptation, George decided to add the wings. I I'm not really sure, but he did a great job. He did a great job here, and the person he got to voice Rarity definitely is on. I will. I will say this is definitely on. You know, on on her A game by, you know, coming very close to. Mimicking Tabitha St. Germain. Now, the person they got for Spike, um, he's kind of close. Again, I haven't watched it fully, but but it's one of those, but it's one of those situations where even fans show how much they love something, you know, creatively, and you know, the, in, which also inspires them as well, to where they will practice to, you know, if the wanting to be inspiring voice actors and actresses, they will practice by trying to get their voices to mimic the voices of the characters that are voiced by certain actors and actresses. Like I said, the person that George got for, to do Rarity, very on par to almost Tabitha St. Germain. And the person that got this voice Spike, just by the little bit I've heard, sounds like he could be you know, close to wanting to sound what sound like what Chris, uh, not Chris, but Kathy Westluck sounded like as Spike. Close, but not much. You know, but obviously with practice we'll get there. But outside of that, like I said, the animation looks really good. It's on par, like I said, just by a bit, almost a bit on par with what Josh and his team did, the Folly of Celestia, to where the animation is almost identical and almost, you know, unidentifiable, you know, in some areas from what the show is. I mean, if you... I mean, here's the thing. If you're new to the show, and obviously you shouldn't be by now, but if you're getting into everything MLP in the past, what is it, 11, 12 years, from G4, Friendship is Magic, to now... Along with, with, along with in the middle, things like Equestria Girls and all that. You know, if you're just getting into it now to see what all the hubbub's about, if you will. You know, you would look at something like The Folly of Celestia. And, you know, just by the animation, you would think, oh my gosh, is this official? Is this official MLP short? What, what's going on here? Only to probably find out, oh, it's not. But dang, it looks like it's official. Because it's that good. And here we have something very similar, you know, you know, not not you know not by much, not by much, but similar. And you look at this, and you'd be, probably feel the same way. Like, whoa, is this this kind of uh, you know, is this official or is it not? And then you find out it isn't. But again, it's done so well; it's almost you know unidentifiable. Period. I mean, you might. See something like the moon arises and children of the night, and you'll be like, "Wow, this is such good animation! Are these official animated shorts?" Only to find out they're not. But because they're done so well, it's just mind blowing. 
just mind-blowing to not think that these couldn't be official Hasbro okayed products, you know, because, because of the fact, because in reality, you know, the reality of the fact is they're not, but they feel like, you know, they're that close. And again, as I mentioned earlier, I do apologize. It's early and I'm trying to do this before I get ready to go, get ready to, you know, get, get myself ready to uh, get ready for work. <laughs> so I do apologize. But again, it's, you know, again, it shows you just by anybody that might be new to the product. And again, why should you be being introduced to it for the first time, seeing all these animated shorts and wondering to themselves, man, how, you know, why couldn't one Hasbro use some of these animation programs like what duo cartoonists used for the two Luna shorts? Why couldn't they use that animation program, you know, for the show? And in some look at these fan-made animations that are close and almost un unidentifiable to the original, and they probably wonder to themselves, man, you know, if I didn't know these weren't fan-made, I would say they're official. That's how good some of these can be. But, to, but here's the thing. For anybody that would look at, let's say, Children of the Night and Moon Arises and wonder why couldn't that animation be used, a longtime fan, maybe someone in the family, will come up to them and say, yeah, they already used the Tomb Boom stuff that these shorts were made from for the movie in 2017. So, you know, so yeah, if you have a fan a fan of the series or the franchise and the family, or maybe it's a close friend, they basically can let you in and say, yeah, they've already done Toon Boom, Boom animation with the movie. But getting back on point, getting back on point, you know, it, you know, I, again, when it comes to any fandom, and again, like I said, MLP has boatloads of examples of this. You know, just, Tons of examples, millions of examples. You know, when it comes to the MLP fandom, there, there is not one shortage, barely any shortage, of how creatively, you know, imaginative they can get with what they, you know, will bring to the table. And the fact that they are willing to go out of the way to do animations to support, you know, characters and ships and ideas that they believe need to be supported, you know, to, to go out of the way and do that is really saying something. And to me, it should send a strong message to the likes of Hasbro, to the likes of those in charge of G5 now, and let them know, hey, if you're ever going to do things like, let's say, a Spike Rarity-like relationship with the main characters, then don't, you know, tease it, don't tease it, don't hold back on it, go all the way. And that's what animations like this provide. You know, it's a message being sent that don't hold back, go all the way. Don't tease, go all the way. And, it, and here's the thing. These kind of animations with Spike and Rarity, you know, being done the way they are, you know, all these comics or whatever. I like the fact that fans take it upon themselves to kind of fill, you know, you know, create these animations that I mentioned earlier, 
to fill in those gaps. I mean, these obviously you could tell, you know, are more heavenly inspired, more heavenly inspired than I think anybody's, any of us could imagine, but mostly because of the ending of one best gift ever. We all know that. And mostly season nine with things like Dragon Dropped and even afterwards. I mean, there is a lot of examples. You know, there's a lot of examples in season nine, not just with Dragon Dropped, but the sunset setback, you know, the final climactic paddle in the be ending in the end of the end in the ending of the end, you know, and stuff like that. Just little scenes here and there, little moments. And then again, like I say, you go back to Best Gift Ever and such, and it's just, you know, goes from there. But also you could look back at earlier on where you had your hints as well. I mean, I, I like I said, if you want to know about fans that did support or kind of still support it, if you will, I look at the fact, or I look back at the fact that Voice of Reason did a review with Buck Reviewer on Dragon Quest. And I've mentioned this before, but this proved that even voice, you know, was, and even up to the end, still kind of a Sparity supporter. Because he did acknowledge in Dragon Dropped, you know, that, you know, he kind of has a, you know, a soft spot in his heart. He didn't outright say it, but just by his wording at, at times, you know, that he kind of has a soft spot, just like I think Thespios does, for the Spike and Rarity uh, ship. Now, like I said, they didn't straight out say it, but you could tell. Mostly, you know, mostly by voice. You could tell by some of the things he said. But I remember one of his earlier collab reviews with Buck Reviewer. And, you know, he talked about Spike and Rarity. And he talked about the moment after they saw the flight of the dragons or something like that. You know, that he acknowledged, you know... You know, Rarity as Spike's possible girlfriend. And it's like, why would you acknowledge, you know, Rarity as, a, as his possible girlfriend if basically you were supportive of it? Which, by the way, when you did a seasonal review, you actually were for. You were happy that it was basically canonized. Uh, in one of the seasons, or at least given that opportunity to be canonized. And to me, that shows you the support that the, you know, it has on the fandom. I mean, if you ask any fans today, any fans today, you know, what they think or what they thought of the Spike Rarity relationship, you know, some will probably tell you that at first they weren't too fond of it because of the message it was giving or the atmosphere, the feeling that it was giving off, the vibrations. But, you know, as time went on, they came to kind of maybe accept it and realize, hey, there is something there between these characters. Maybe we should support it. You know, you'll probably get that kind of an answer. Now, you, this, you know, here's the deal. There's no doubt you'll still get, as I've mentioned many times before, you'll still get some fans that are not fond of it, because of, you know, what it represents in their eyes. But I think a majority of those fans have dwindled off and either just said, you know what, 
you know, let the you know let our fellow fans decide. You know, we'll stay out of it, or they've dwindled off and have joined over to the side of supporting it because now they kind of see, you know, that yes, it can work, especially with the development that you know Spike was given as a character throughout the following seasons, the later seasons. So, overall, overall, when it comes to things like supporting a certain romance ship like Sparity or supporting a character like Celestia or Luna, there is no shortage of, you know, create very creative animations out there that fans will not, you know, take their time on working with, along with other fans, to bring to life. I mean, one example of a fan that, you know, if she wants to gather a team together to, you know, use the, you know, use the animation that's almost identical to what you see in the series to bring her story to life, Disney Fanatic. Disney Fanatic has Daughter of Discord, Bride of Discord, has the, you know, Daughter of Discord uh, prelude, if you will, with Applejack and Spike. You know, if Disney Fanatic wanted to, she could call upon certain people to work with her, use certain animation programs to bring these stories to life, to animation life. She could do that. She could do that. There's no doubt. I don't think there's any, I don't think there's no getting around that. It could be done and can be done. I think that's obvious. I think it's obvious. But, but, again, that'd be up to her. But she's a prime example of somebody that, you know, will go out of the, that, you know, will go out of the way and show how creative they can be by trying to fill in certain gaps, and then even, even kind of later on during the prog- progress of the, the creativity, acknowledge, okay, now what you're actually uh, reading and watching is in an alternate universe identical to the prime universe with a few changes here and there. Because, of course, you know, later on, she would acknowledge that, you know, the story took place I think after season four or something like that, or around uh, something like that. She basically said it took place after the events of season four or before the events of season four. She started to put a disclaimer. She started to put a disclaimer so that way there wouldn't be no confusion because of what season four was giving us, you know, which was vastly different than what we got, you know, <laughs> than uh, not what we got, but vastly different than what I think Disney Fanatic felt we were going to get. That's what I was trying to say. Again, I do apologize. It's early and I got to get in the shower in a bit to get myself ready for work. But anyway, anyway, you know, to get back on, to get back onto the point, you know, she, you know, went out of her way to basically, along with, you know, some artistic members of her team, you know, bring this radio drama to comic drama life. And they did a heck of a job. And you could tell that they're trying to get it into an animation perspective with some of the prequels. You know, prequel to Daughter of Discord and stuff like that. They're trying to get it into that uh, perspective, if you will. And like I said, if she wants to, she could hire her own team. Well, yeah, she could hire her own team, bring some people along to go the route that Josh Scorcher has gone, to go the route that George Gazzara has gone, and try to get animation identical to what you saw, 
you know, in the series to bring these stories to life. She could do that if she felt like it. And I'm sure she's been considering it for the longest time. But for me, when I see somebody that, like I said, we met online because, you know, our support and our love, if you will, for the disparity ship between Spike and Rarity. When I see somebody like that go out of the way along with their fellow fans and, you know, to bring this to life and make this probably the big, they even admit it in the description, the biggest challenging project they've under they've ever undertook, you know, to see them go out of the way and do this, to not only show, the, show off the creativity and how far they've come with their animations, but to also show the support for one of the favorite romantic ships. And at the same time, as I mentioned, maybe send a message to Hasbro and say, hey, guys, if you're going to tease any kind of romance ship similar to these two in G5, don't keep teasing it. Make it happen. And, you know, and his thing, it's not just, you know, something like this that gets sent a message. The Folly of Celestia, you know, the Children of the Night, the Moon Arises. These are other examples of fans basically sending out the message of saying, yeah, um, you might want to basically take characters that are in a similar situation as the ones we focused on in these animations and really run with whatever story you got, you know, lined up for them. But again, that's just my opinion. That's just my opinion of what I see happening, of how I see things coming across, if you will. But to me, when I look at this, you know, this adaptation of a fan comic brought into animation life with animation identical, you know, almost to the original series and on par, almost by a bit, almost, you know, short by a bit, if you will, but almost on par to Folly of Celestia, again, it, it just blows my mind what this fandom can do. just blows my mind. And I guarantee you, George Gazzara is not done when it comes to these kind of animations with Spike and Rarity. And I guarantee you, other fans that support the ship, or maybe a ship like Spike and Applejack, Rarity and Applejack, whatever you want to, whatever ship you're into, I guarantee you none of them are done, you know, using animations or improving on the animations to support and showcase their ships to the world, as well as maybe at the same time, send a message to Hasbro of, hey, if you're going to do a ship between certain characters in G5, like Hitch and Pip or Hitch and Zip or maybe Hitch and Sunny, then don't hold back. Make it happen. Make it happen. So... I do recommend, guys, you check this out. It will be in the. It will be uh, clickable at the end here in the end screen. So check it out on the bottom left-hand corner. Uh, but also, if you want to support me, go to the upper left-hand corner and click on the Teespring store for merchandise you can't get anywhere else. Also, check me out at Venmo at Brian Warmer Two Cash App at BWRoses Ninety Eight to support me there financially. Patreon.com says BWRoses to help me out there with a $1 or $3 tier. Also, support me over at DeviantArt.com slash BVW1979, where you can find George Gazzara as well. You know, he has a lot of artwork there, so check him out there as well. Also, check me out at Vimo at BWRoses for content you can't get here on YouTube due to copyright reasons. And, ladies and gentlemen, support me at BWRoses Discussions Podcast. 
where you will get an audio podcast version of this. We will be, by the time this is maybe posted in audio form, we will be surpassed 650 podcasts. Thank you guys for the support in that area. But yeah, you will get an audio podcast version of this as well. But guys, just wanted to come on here let you know about that. Give me your thoughts. How do you feel about fans going out of the way this far, very creatively, to show their support for certain characters, romantic ships and everything in the fandom of MLPFIM? Let me know down below and in the live chat during the premiere. And until next time, guys, I will talk to you later. I got to get myself ready to get in the shower and get ready for work. But give me your thoughts. And until next time, I'm out.